Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Thanks a lot, John. Right now on Fast, heading into the Christmas holiday. Stocks finish the Friday trade in the green. Will today's small dose of holiday cheer help the major averages finish a rough year on a high note? Plus, it's the final countdown to Santa, so we've asked our trading elves to stuff their stockings with stocks that you won't want to re-gift or return in the new year. And later, our chart of the week. It's laced up big gains, dunked on the doubters, and capitalized on the post-pandemic trend of casual overdressed up. To name the numbers and where that stock goes next, I am Frank Holland in for Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money. It's live from the NASDAQ market site on the desk tonight. To my right, we got Tim Seymour. On the left, Bono and Eisen. Steve Grasso nestled in the Grasso estate up in Westchester. And Jeff Mills down on the main line of Philadelphia. Go Birds. It's going to be a long show if you're a Giants fan. And we start today's markets. <laughs> Look at Tim shaking his head. We start with today's market rebound ahead of this year's final week of trading. It was enough for the Dow to avert its third losing week in a row. But the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq still falling just a bit short. Amazon, among the big tech stocks, dragging the Nasdaq lower this week. Up today, however, is trading right around its pandemic lows. That's right, it's lows. In a new report today, finding some historic weekly selling. Bank of America finding U.S. value equity funds seeing their largest weekly outflow ever, hitting more than $17 billion. Tax law selling likely behind the record outflows. But... Could this all be a setup for a January buying frenzy? It's a great question, Tim. What do you buying think? Buying frenzy. Frenzy. I mean, a, a frenzy is something that I, I'm not sure I'm ready to say. I do think that there can be allocation, and I think if you look at the outperformance of industrials, for example, to the rest of the S&P over the last uh, six to eight weeks, if you look at different parts of the market structure that are changing with some of these reversal of flows, I think there are opportunities there. And I think as we get into 23, uh, the upgrades that are going to come from ultimately uh, a lot of stocks actually beginning to warn and guide in some sense that from a sentiment perspective, uh, we can begin to assess where some of these companies are turning. I don't think where we want to be, uh, where we are where we want to be in terms of earnings revisions. I don't think we are where we want to be in terms of the Fed giving any kind of an all clear. So um, this is the environment we have in the first quarter. I think it's going to be another great trading environment. I think you're going to have these opportunities as markets have given you for the last 12 months to see these periods where, again, we in, look, this week alone, we pulled back almost 8% from those mm-hmm. intraday highs that we had last week at that CPI high. I think we're going to get a lot more of that, but companies like Nike, we're going to talk a little bit about in terms of uh, big weekly movers, finding high quality, high quality names that we think are are names you can go to sleep with at night because of their balance sheets is what investors should be doing here. All right. So Tim says frenzy is too strong of a word, Bonowin, but is there another word for what we might be seeing coming up? And just for everybody out there, technically, the classic definition of the Santa Claus rally would potentially start today. So frenzy, I'm with Tim there. I, I don't think frenzy is going to be what you're going to see. But I, being that it's Christmas, I'm going to try to reach de- deep down in my stock and to find something <laughs> positive to say. I think that you will see uh, opportunities. And it's, gonna be, it's going to come because of, one, rebalancing, and two, because I still think there is very much an eye on Fed policy and corporate earnings. And as we get a better idea of which companies are, where we are in the economic cycle and how companies are going to be able to deal with that economic cycle, you're going to see puts and takes as we 
rotate out of one sector and for another or further entrench into the value sector that has worked thus far. So I do think there will be some opportunities on, on the positive side. Generally speaking, I think the shift has really gone from pivot because inflation will get under, get tamed and under control to pivot because economic expansion or the, the, the lack thereof will be to a point that we are, the Fed is forced to cut because the, uh, you know, because of, to, to, to limit the amount of damage that's being done. And I think that narrative, although we end up with the same thesis, that narrative has drastically changed. And for that reason, I think it, there's still that overhang on stocks, generally speaking. So Steve, what do you think? If not frenzy, I'm going to go on my thesaurus, a stock buying Fuhrer? Perhaps. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I was looking for a face ripping rally. I got a stomach kicking sell off instead. So <laughs> I'm hoping that we're still going to see some sort of a I would love to use your word frenzy to, to describe what we'll see next week. I don't think we're going to see a frenzy, but we can definitely see a dull drift higher. And what do you always do, Frank? Or I should say, what don't you do? You never short a dull market. So I think a lot of this is going to revolve around what people are doing with the tax loss selling as you started off the show. But I think the most important thing you could do as an investor is to look at three-year charts. You're going to encapsulate the sell-off uh, from the pandemic. So if you have a reason, I, I, I find it hard to believe that uh, the large majority of stocks should be trading at that low. Disney trading at the pandemic low. You already nailed it. The A Amazon is trading around that low. Netflix trading around that low. I don't think there's a reason for any of those to be there. All right, there we go. Jeff, I saved the best for last. Philadelphia Eagles fan in the Philadelphia area. You're already riding a winner as it is. Are there some winners you want to ride in January to you, kick you guys off? You have won nothing yet. And if you want to win the Super Bowl in December, good. You know, <laughs> Wait, about, is this Jeff it? over here? I've had it. Well, is that Jeff I, out I, there? I just feel the need to speak to Listen, all the other football we're, fans we're, out we're there go, that are watching going, us. We're going straight to the Super Bowl. We're going straight to the Super Bowl. Hertz will be back. I'm in a frenzy about the Eagles. I don't know that I'm in a frenzy uh, about the stock market here. I think you know, we have some more wood to chop. If you're focused on the tax loss selling and the flows, I sort of think you're missing the big picture as we move into 2023. And we can use whatever cliche we'd like. You know, the trend is not your friend still. Uh, don't fight the Fed, the ECB, the BOJ, the Bank of England. You know, I, it feels to me like there's still this hope that central banks are going to save the day again. Uh, but they can't. It's not 2018 when the Fed could come in, cut on a dime when things got a little bad. Uh, they wanted inflation higher at that time. Now we're in the complete opposite position. And I think their hands are going to be tied for a little while, even though inflation is clearly coming down. So I think we're back to these normal cycle dynamics when the first rate cut is not necessarily a good thing. Bonowin said it. You know, if the Fed's going to cut like the market is currently pricing in right now, it's not going to be because inflation is under control and, and everything else is rosy. I think a lot of these things are known clearly, but what I don't think is priced in are earnings coming down. I think that's clear. And then the higher for longer narrative. You know, the market is pricing in rate cuts for the second half of next year. I don't think it's going to happen. And there are plenty of risk off markers that I'm paying attention to, whether it's gold uh, having outperformed the S&P 500 since the October lows, uh, whether it's Apple uh, sort of testing those June lows, that risk from the top that we keep talking about. Uh, these are the things that I think we need to pay attention to as we get past some of these flows and tax loss selling and some of the things we're talking about. Yeah, good point about gold. Gold up 8% in Q4. Tim, back over to you. 
I'm not going to talk about the Eagles. No, don't worry. We, we, no, can, no, we can do that. If no, you no, want no, to win you, a Super Bowl, you don't December, want to do I, that. I we've already, we've already said we yeah. don't want to do that. All right. Let's talk big tech. Is that okay? Let's let's do yeah. that. Pressing buttons. Sensitive, well, right? All right. So, how does big tech compare in the upcoming year compared to what we saw this year? And of course, to back to 2021, where it just boomed the whole year. I mean, how do you see the setup for tech going into next year? Look, I don't like it. I don't like it on a valuation perspective. It was a week also when longer rates went higher. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that the that the 10 year you know probes. You know, the bottom end of the 3% range. I think, if anything, the BOJ this week told us rates go higher. What that means for equities is that your discount rate and some of the things that help you value equities are part of just the mechanics of that, I, I think are under a little bit more upward pressure. We talked about last night. I think we talk about it a lot. Uh, I brought up this chart of the triple Qs or the NASDAQ 100 or the tech companies we know and love right. underperforming the S&P continually. And, and, and I think that's the part of, of where I think the market needs to get to that I don't think we're there. Uh, one more thing, though, on frenzy. Frenzy often happens when people are positioned the wrong way and they have to rush back into something. It's almost a consensus that we're going to get a, a fresh low in the first quarter and that the market now needs to then work itself off of that. I mean, I almost feel like it's just kind of like thinking when you're going to win the Super Bowl in, De- in December, it doesn't happen. <laughs> I think it's very similar to people that are expecting, if everybody's expecting the market to bottom in the first quarter, um, it may not. And, and I think the positioning sometimes also in terms of sentiment and where cash levels are, are very supportive to the market here. Nobody's bullish. Nobody's bullish, and, and, and no one has really put a lot of chips onto the table. And those are things that investors, I think, are going to give you those trading frenzies. All right. So no frenzy, but Steve, I'm going to come over to you. A lot of the stocks that really pushed the NASDAQ higher today were the mega cap stocks we're talking about right now. Uh, the biggest uh, positive addition to the NASDAQ today were, was uh, Alphabet. It was, uh, you know, Amazon was the, the most positive addition to it. So Santa Claus rally aside, let's not look at something like that. But just in general, could this be the beginning of people saying, hey, these tech stocks are beaten down. Now's my time to get in, even though the setup that Tim's talking about with rising rates and other things are still hanging over them. Well, when you look at those, the list that you put up there on, on the screen before, Apple is nowhere near the pandemic low. Microsoft is nowhere near the pandemic low. And Google is nowhere near the pandemic low. So I think people are looking for opportunities. Do they think they're going to be in the names? The, the problem is, is that everyone says there's never going to be the same leadership coming out as there was going in. The issue that I have with that is that we only talk about, and I don't mean us on the show, I mean investors predominantly talk about those six names. Nobody knows mid cap names. Nobody knows small cap names. So it's hard for anything else to lead but them. So you need a recovery in them. So I don't think people think they're getting a value in buying Apple here or Microsoft or Google yet. So that story has to be narrated that you're giving a gift in price and I don't think we're there yet. So even though as Tim said it, which I agree, consensus we're going to sell off in the first quarter we're going to we're going to test that 3200 3300 some are even saying lower than that level frank so mm-hmm. i think we do have to get a major flush where people sell what they love which is the apple and the microsoft and the google before we get that bottom all right we're going to turn our attention now to the dogs of the dow the chart master out with a new note on the 10 dow stocks that are primed to outperform in the new year and he says there's one that may be the greatest gift of them all. Let's bring in Carter Worth of Worth Charting. Carter, what do you got? Well, <clears throat> greatest gift of them all. Uh, your words, not mine. But let's uh, talk about <laughs> the dogs of the Dow. Sort of a, a, a fun thing that was uh, sort of developed in the 1990s. Just simply a dividend strategy, which is picking the 10 among the 10 worst 
performers. No, it's the 10 stocks in the Dow with the highest dividend yield, which often, of course, coincides with things that have been bad performers. Let's look at a chart or two and try to figure out uh, a pick. So what we're looking at here is a comparative chart. It's the dogs of the Dow total return index. It's a cute symbol, MUT, M-U-T, and that's versus the Dow Jones Industrial itself, going back mm -hmm. to 2000. Now, the next chart, just to make a point, is looking at the S&P total return versus the S&P itself going back to 1990. And of course, what we know is on a long-term basis, in terms of being a steward of, of wealth and money, dividends are, are half the return. You see it right there. The total return index has doubled the performance of the cash index itself. Now, in terms of the dogs, the Dow, I've got a table here. Here are the top five sort of stocks with the highest dividend yield. And you see there on top Verizon, they've all had horrible years. But keep in mind that, that Chevron's a dog of the Dow this year, and it's up 46%. So it's not percent decline, it's just dividend yield. So I thought we'd look at Verizon. We've got three charts, and they're all the same chart, just different annotations. The first thing my eye sees is that, uh, something of a minor bottom. Another way to draw the lines is simply putting in a downtrend. Put those first two charts together, and what I think we've got here is something that is in the early stages of turning. Now, this is uh, a value strategy, surely. Now, that yield of 6.8%, for what it's worth, those who care, it's covered well almost two times. And that, of course, is almost double the 10-year Treasury yield. I think you do it. All right, Carter Worth, with, not with the greatest gift of them all, but a really good dog of the Dow. Carter, we're going to see Shortland Options action just a bit. Jeff Mills, let's trade this one. Uh, Carter's pick right there is Verizon. One thing about Verizon, their CapEx spending plan to ramp up for 5G is supposed to be winding down, so perhaps increased profitability, increased cash flow from that. But what do you think about Carter's trade? So I hope he's right. This is a stock that we own here. And if you look at the chart, it is sort of interesting. This stock's trading at the same price as it was in 1997, 2007, 2012. I mean, go back. The stock hasn't moved for a very long time. But in those years, it was trading at 15 times forward earnings. Right now, it's trading at about half that, at 7.5 times forward earnings. So with that 7% dividend yield, I mean, the thing has been sold to death. And I think that's part of the reason you've seen some outperformance since the October low to the tune of about 5%. And it's still trading at 17% or so below its 200-day moving average. So I just think from a risk-reward perspective in this market, a stock that has limited downside, and you mentioned it, better free cash flow, better, better profitability heading into next year, I think at the very least, you can play it for a trade and perhaps hold it for a bit longer. Bonham, what do you think? I mean, I think that makes sense. I mean, I, what, what he really said that stuck out to me is risk-reward. Um, and I think that was both Jeff and Carter there. I will say I'm buying it, but I am keeping the receipt. I apologize, guys. Um, uh, you know, the secret sound. Oh, I'm I, sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I, yeah. I love you both, but I, but I am going to keep That's the receipt there. That's good stuff. I, <laughs> that was good stuff. You know, I, reaction. I, I do think that you can, that you can keep it because of the risk reward. But what I'm, say, what I'm saying is in this space, this isn't like this was a name that traded at some bloated valuation. Jeff mentioned it's trading about seven and a half times peak valuation over the last 10 years. And so the, the knock on this was that it really struggled to find growth, both in the personal and in the business segment. And I really don't see that coming to fruition. It's more operationally sound, which I think is the argument to be had going forward. And for that reason, I think it makes sense for a trade. But in terms of where am I going to be placing that first dollar when I go to reallocate capital, I don't think it's here. All right. Well, coming up, we got some stocking stuffers for your portfolio, the names that could be a nice gift heading into the new year. The new year, our traders give their picks. That's coming up next, plus chart of the week, a retail stock with a big 
swoosh over the last few days. Why that name is now up in the air. And here's a live look at Kansas City, Missouri, where there is currently an eight, wow weather of eight degrees with the real feel of minus 15. But why go outside? Keep it right here for much, much more Fast Money. Stay with us. You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. Christmas is almost here, and our traders have handpicked some stocking stuffers they think investors should stick with in 2023. So which stocks made the nice list? We're going to start with, with Jeff Mills. What's your pick? So, Frank, I think we've been talking about this, and it, it's just the idea that some markets are ripe for risk-taking, others are not. I just don't think you want to be swinging for the fences in 2023. So you want to continue to look for stocks that are counter-cyclical, that have earnings growth, that are profitable. For me, that's healthcare and that's Merck. It's one of the few sectors that's poised to actually grow earnings next year, at least in our opinion. And then Merck has some company-specific drivers. You could make the argument that it's a little overbought here, but it's still below market multiple. For me, it's been one of the best charts all year. It's probably been my most frequent final trade. So I think, I think you stick with it uh, as you move into next year. Tim, what do you got? I know this is uh, not seen as the most exciting pick out there, so I'm told. But, I, you know, EMD, and if you think about the EMB, and that's a $15 billion ETF that's got a 6.5% yield based upon just where a lot of these bonds are trading. But, again, EM countries have endured the Fed. They've endured a stronger dollar for the last year. It was a tough place to be. But I, I do think lower inflation uh, and the world we live in where China, the biggest economy in EM, is actually possibly accelerating. It can't go a lot lower. This is a great environment for EM debt, and I think this is a great place for yield at a time when investors are looking to more creative ways to get that exposure. So you're on the fence between that and coal, I guess. All right, Bono, and you're next up. If you're looking for excitement out of my pick, I'm sorry to disappoint. I'm sticking with Coca-Cola now. Despite the valuation, I think the risk-reward setup here uh, is really what you're looking for in this type of environment. Strong pre-cash flow, strong gross margin. It essentially has a, you know, the ability to combat inflation, or if you have to be in a trade-down situation, the stock holds up well. I mean, it's, it's, it's not going to excite anybody, but I think it's defensive. I think it's a mainstay. And aside from the valuation, I think it should be part of your portfolio. Grasso, what are you thinking at the Grasso Manor? Uh, Disney. Disney, I think streaming is going to do better on the profitability front next year. Iger is back. I think uh, movies are going to do better. Parks are going to do better. 
It's going to be a clean sweep. There's no reason why this one should be trading at pandemic lows, Disney and the stocking stuffer. So, Steve, you actually have an extra gift in your stocking. You got wow. to tell us what it is. Wow. Good yeah, it's an extra gift. Really so, so Meta would be the extra one for me. And if we see this thing split into two, everyone's worried about spending and, and what a drag that the metaverse is going to be on the overall. You see the stock split into two. First of all, I don't even think you need the stock splitting into two. But if you did, then you would see an, an enormous run up in the name. It's had a, a bunch of headwinds trading much lower than the pandemic low for multiple reasons. But I think 2023 is probably going to be the year for Meta. All right, there you go. Coming up, our chart of the week, shares of one sports brand surging over the last few days. So how should you play the jump? The details ahead. You're watching Fast Money Live from the NASDAQ Market Site in Times Square. We are back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Nike locking in the chart of the week. It's the best performing Dow and S&P 500 stock up almost 10% over the last five sessions. That includes a marginally down day today. Nike's earnings were better than expected this week. Digital sales surged and they touted their success at clearing through their huge inventory backlog. So, Jeff, should investors just buy it? Well, listen, the earnings were clearly better than feared, but I am in the recession camp for next year. There's no question about it. And uh, the thing that's helping Nike now is the labor market and the consumer. And I, I think there's a chance that that continues to be strong as we move into the first quarter. So, so that's the good news. I think the bad news is that companies like Nike have really been helped by pricing power. We heard it from Foot Locker talking about Nike, some of the styles, the price is up 30 percent. I just don't think that's going to last as we push into the second and third quarter of 2023. I think the labor market weakens, demand is going to fall further, and for a stock that's trading at 33 times forward earnings, I think that becomes a problem. As inflation falls, it's harder to hide behind these price increases. So I think you can stick with it for a little while, but I worry about it in the back half of next year. Tim? Stock's trading right in line with its five-year average, and we, we debate this all the time in the last few months. Should, you know, where should you be in terms of a historic multiple for a lot of stocks? In discretionary, I, I, I understand the challenges. Jeff brings up the right ones. But uh, I think relative to Alulu and some of the things that were just mentioned, but I'll extend, which is uh, apparel is a lot more resilient from a sales cycle than, excuse me, footwear over apparel from a sales cycle. So if I was going to be getting best-in-class discretionary Nike versus Lulu, it's Nike all day long because I think the value relative to itself is attractive. I also think that the tailwinds that are now the dollar, yes, the dollar is a tailwind for them, um, and, and just a gross margin dynamic are things that are actually going to be underappreciated by the market. Bono, and last word. Yeah, so I think they got the inventory short up. They got that management under control. And then the DTC, I think they've put a lot more into that, which is really where the growth engines are coming from. With that said, you know, I tend to agree with Jeff. I, I think that going forward, it's going to be a bit tough for the consumer. This is the name that we were on the other side of the table on before, and that we're, we're aligned here. I think that if you look, it's, you got to look at how we got here. And if you look from that mid-80s uh, level, it's really just round trip to back where it was before that summer sell-off. So it's not like there's a ton of value being added from this point. I think this is where we are. All right, time now for final trade. Let's go around the horn. Grasso, you're up first. Disney, for all the reasons why I mentioned uh, before, I think it's going to be a great year for Disney on a bounce back trade. Merry Christmas to all of you gentlemen. Merry Christmas to everyone out there. Jeff. Well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm going to stick with Merck. It's Steady Eddie. I think that's what you want next year. Bonwin. Coke, Coca-Cola. I think uh, this is the name that you want in your portfolio. 
Tim. Frank, it's been great talking Eagles Always football great. with you. And Merry <laughs> Christmas to everybody. AT&T, again, if you're going to go dogs of the Dow, the bigger dog is a bigger upside than Verizon. All right, that's going to do it for Fast Money. Do not go anywhere. Options Action is coming up next. Stay with us. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.